If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a nonfiction book marketing maven. Stephanie Chandler is the author of several books, including the nonfiction book marketing plan, online and offline promotion strategies to build your audience and sell more books, and own your own niche, hype-free internet marketing tactics to establish authority in your field and promote your service-based business. Stephanie is also the founder and CEO of the Nonfiction Authors Association, a vibrant educational community for experienced and aspiring writers and the Nonfiction Writers Conference, an annual event conducted entirely online. She's a frequent speaker at business events and on the radio. She's been featured in Entrepreneur, Business Week, and Wired Magazine. Stephanie, what an honor it is to welcome you to the show, and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Oh, Susan, thank you so much for the invitation. It is my pleasure to be here today. Stephanie, I know that you and I could talk for hours about all different aspects of book marketing, but let's start with what it takes for a nonfiction author to build their brand as an authority in their field. Where should somebody start? I think you can appreciate the focus on a target audience. I think this is a big missing piece for a lot of authors that you first really need to identify who it is you want to reach. And as I know you are, Susan, I'm a big believer in choosing a niche. I really think that the narrower your focus, actually, the more people you can reach. I think when we cast a a net too broadly, we actually miss opportunities. So what I see with nonfiction authors, you know, let's say, for example, you're a life coach. That's a pretty broad statement. At this event, one time I met a a woman who's a life coach who helps baby boomers who want to lose weight. And I thought, that's a great example of a niche. And if you can do the same thing for your book and narrow down your focus, you are going to have a much better chance of standing out and building a brand without all the competition that a broader audience would have. Does that make sense, Susan? It certainly does. And I know... Several of the authors who I speak to, they always say that they're fearful of niching themselves too much because they think they can't then sell it to anybody else. What's your answer to that? I think it's exactly the opposite. And I understand that fear that you're going to miss people if you make your niche too small. But I could give you 25 examples of why you shouldn't do this. I mean, in my own experience, I specifically decided to work with nonfiction authors for one, because I'm one myself, for two, because I really believe that nonfiction authors are people who want to make a difference in the world. I could have chosen to work with all authors, but my heart really lies in nonfiction. 
And it's a niche that, quite frankly, not many people were paying attention to. So it made a lot of sense for me. I have a, a good friend, Carl Polichuk. He's an author and a business consultant for IT consultants. So he helps people who own computer companies build their businesses. It's a very tiny little niche. And he authors books for that community. But let me tell you, he is a rock star in the IT community. He puts himself on tour. He visited 20 cities last year. People paid him hundreds of dollars to attend his one-day seminars. He's got books that sell for $95 and for as much as $300. There is so much power in a niche, and I hope that you all consider those opportunities. I think what you've pointed out here, Stephanie, is the fact that a niche market can be extraordinarily powerful and profitable. And I think that's where it lies for so many authors is the fact that the profitability in a niche market is so great because you could be the only game in town. Absolutely. And that's the thing. You stand out from the competition and in any category, health, fitness, wellness, business, you name it, there's tons of competition. But if you narrow that down, gardening books for California versus a general gardening book is going to help you connect better with gardeners in your state. Cookbooks for people with food allergies or diabetes or a gluten allergy or autism. I mean, focus it down and you are going to reach so many more people. And people who are going to be out there looking for answers in that particular niche market. So you're doing the world a favor and your niche market a favor if you can really hone in. So that's fantastic. Let's talk about some of your favorite best practices when it comes to, let's say, both online and offline marketing. That's probably a huge question, but it is, but it's one of my favorite topics. I think every author should be focused on building an online brand. The foundation of that is your website. Hopefully, it's a professionally designed WordPress website with a blog. Blogs are essential. You know, statistically, bloggers receive more traffic because every time you add new content to your website, you give Google another reason to find you. My number one favorite strategy for authors is absolutely blogging. And as writers, we shouldn't be so resistant to this as a marketing strategy, right? It's a chance to exercise that muscle and connect with our audiences. And so I really challenge authors to try to blog a minimum of once a week, but even better if you can do it twice and it's a strategy that is a long game, right? So you're not going to see results overnight. Over a six-month period, if you dedicate yourself to blogging once or twice a week, and then you share those blog posts via social media, monitor your website traffic, and I promise you will see results. If you are focused on a target audience, a niche target audience, and you're writing content that appeals to their challenges and interests you will build traffic to your website. You said something very significant there, Stephanie, and that was this is a long game. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. The idea of it taking a while to build that momentum, to build that authority brand, 
I think is critical. And sometimes or many times, authors don't appreciate that fact and sort of want to be this overnight wonder and bestseller. What do you say to authors when they say, oh, my book is for everyone and it's going to be a bestseller? Yeah, well, we'd all love to be bestsellers, right? It really is a marathon. And there are certainly ways that you can make things happen faster. You know, if you've got a big budget, you can buy your way to exposure. You can invest in online advertising, Facebook ads, Amazon pay-per-click ads, can use ads to build your mailing list and engage your audience. You know, money talks and you can fast track it. There's other ways to fast track building your audience. You know, land yourself a column writing for a national publication. That's a great way to build an audience. Get out there and speak. Speakers sell books. Another fantastic way to build your audience. But the bottom line for most of us is that this is going to take time. And you want to have some patience. You want to have some perseverance because you want to dedicate yourself to the long run. This is not about one day bestseller campaigns on Amazon. Quite frankly, I hate those. They really have no long-term value. It's about always being on tour, always promoting your book, always working to build your audience and build your platform as a profitable author who's not just selling books, but hopefully building a business around that book. I think also you talked about speaking and the importance of speaking that can sell books. So many authors say, oh, yes, when I speak, I sell books at the back of the room. Well, this is a brilliant way. So, yes. What about some more offline marketing strategies? Obviously, speaking is one of them. What else could you recommend? Trade associations are great. If you can identify trade associations where your target audience spends their time, get involved in the local chapter of the trade association, volunteer, get on the board, help to facilitate their meetings, be a, you know, seen and heard at that association and take that up to the national level and participate in their national conference and speak at their national events. Also in your own backyard, one great resource is meetup.com. Meetup.com is a website where you can organize local events or find local events. These can be everything from business events to singles groups and hiking clubs and bunko parties and political organizations. But with Meetup, you can find groups that are hosting meetings where you live or you can start your own Meetup group. You know, about 10 years ago, I started a Meetup group in Sacramento called the Sacramento Speakers Network. And my sole mission was to get to know other speakers in Sacramento because we didn't have a local chapter of the National Speakers Association. And I just selfishly wanted to know other speakers and see how we could help each other. And our first meeting was four people in a Starbucks. And then the next month, it was six people in a yogurt shop. And then the next month, we moved to a different coffee shop and and so on. And over, you know, several years, we grew to be the largest business-based meetup group in Sacramento. In fact, we ended up with over 2,000 members. And as a result, I got to know all kinds of people in my own backyard. There were media people who covered us in the business journal and our local news shows. There were all the speakers that I invited to speak to our group every month. 
And then there were the thousands of people who attended our meetings over the eight years that I ran that group. I gave it away to somebody several years ago. But, you know, the point being that you can build a tribe in your own backyard. It wasn't even my intention that that be a platform for selling books and other services, but it turned out to be a remarkable platform and helped me really get known in my own community. It's funny that so many people forget their own community and they're sort of looking outward and to the rest of the world. And yet, often the diamonds are in their own backyard. So thank you for that reminder. Stephanie, what about your thoughts on an ebook versus the printed book? Do you feel that the two go hand in glove? Should you have one, not the other? What can you do these days that still allows you to gain that authority standing in your marketplace? I think in most cases, if you have a book length manuscript, it makes sense to have a print and an ebook edition. If sales are split online between print and ebooks, so you're missing opportunities if you have one and not the other. The exception to that rule might be if you have a shorter, maybe like a 10,000 word short ebook. But even with that, printing a tiny mini book can be a fun little inexpensive handout that you could give away at speaking engagements. So, you know, I'm a big fan of both. And today we have to add audiobooks to that discussion. You know, the audiobook market is growing. It still, I think, only accounts for about 6% of the book market. But it's absolutely growing. Amazon has invested heavily in building Audible as a platform for audiobooks, the number one selling platform for audiobooks. So I do encourage authors to also make your books available in audio format. You can do that easily through acx.com or through findawayvoices.com. Those are the kind of the two leading options for independent audiobook publishing. Thank you for that reminder, because yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, I am a real fan of books on, I would say, tape, but it is through Audible. I use them all the time when I'm in the car, and I can spend much more time listening than I can actually reading the printed words. So that was a good reminder. I often get asked the question to Stephanie, the difference between a soft and a hard-covered book, when should you use one versus the other, or is there a time and place where one you know, sort of outweighs the other? I think the vast majority of books should be done in paperback. It's more affordable. It's easier to hold. Hardcover is more expensive to print, but this can be useful if Let's say you're trying to reach an executive level audience. So I've worked with authors who do both. They'll have a standard trade paperback, but then they'll also have a kind of a, we call it a special edition hardcover, which can really impress corporate clients and executives and things like that. So for me, that's kind of when the hardcover becomes important. But know that if you're independently published, hardcovers are quite a bit more expensive to print. And the same is true for color books. So today, you know, standard black and white interior trade paperback is going to meet the needs of most authors most of the time. Yeah, I agree with you. It's that corporate market that it looks more like a real book. And I put that in quotes because the corporate market sort of look differently, I think, on books 
than maybe the regular consumer. Am I false, true? What do you think about that statement? Well, yeah, it just depends on the reader and the buyer. You know, I work with a lot of business professionals, for example, professional speakers and business consultants. And if you're trying to land a six-figure consulting deal, you're going to want to send a hardcover, beautifully wrapped dust jacket book to potential prospects versus a trade paperback. Because especially if you're a high-end consultant, and this is a strategy for a lot of consultants and speakers, is to send a book as a brochure instead of just a, a business card or a silly color brochure. Send your book to get business. And if you're doing that with the the corporate level audience for high dollar assignments, a hardcover is absolutely going to make a bigger impression. I would agree with you on that. What about endorsements? I get a lot of questions about how do you get endorsements? What do you recommend? Don't be afraid to ask. Even in a well-known authors, most of us understand that there's an advantage to endorsing fellow author's books that gives the author who does the endorsing additional visibility with your audience as well. And you might be surprised that many big name authors read their own email. They read their own social media mail. You can reach them oftentimes through LinkedIn mail or Facebook mail. So my advice is don't be afraid to reach out. And when you do, you know, a pro tip would be make your pitch short and sweet Don't write a page-long pitch about why they should endorse your book because that's going to make you look like an amateur. An experienced author, when we reach out for endorsements, it's no more than two paragraphs. And it's, you know, hey, Joe, author, you know, I've got a new book coming out. I love your work and I would be honored if you'd consider endorsing my book and offer up the manuscript for review The reality is most busy authors will not read your entire manuscript. They might scan through the table of contents and and a few chapters, but don't be disappointed when they don't read the book cover to cover. And you might even be surprised to hear that some authors are going to ask you to write the endorsements for them, and then they will modify it or approve it. But it's a process that it actually might be a lot easier than you think. If you give a short and sweet pitch, don't lead with, I'm self-publishing my book. This is my first book. Just say, my book is due out in December of 2019, and I'm currently in the process of of seeking endorsements, and flattery never hurts. Your book, XYZ book, was one of my all-time favorites, and I would be so thrilled if you'd consider endorsing my book. That's all it takes, and it really does work. You'd be surprised that you can get some big name endorsements simply by asking. And that exactly happened to me. I asked Seth Godin for a uh, endorsement of my Riches and Niches book, and he gave it to me. And it was just through the ask. So you're absolutely right. If you focus on one or two people who you really want, then just go out there and ask them. I mean, the worst they can say is no. (laughs) Right. And another tip, too, is if you get a big name author like Seth Godin that says yes, then send your next endorsement request that says, and by the way, you'll be in good company because I received this endorsement from Seth Godin. And so, wow, that adds a lot of credibility when you're trying to get additional big name authors to say, oh, wow, Seth endorsed that. I'll certainly endorse that as well. 
And I think something else that you said that is really important is the fact that you can offer to write the endorsement for them and run it by them just to get their okay. And as you say, some people are more than happy for you to do that for them. Yeah, they usually will ask you to do that and they'll ask for a couple of options. So you may want to have some of those prepared for sure. My listeners love it when we talk about mistakes. So let's focus in on some of the mistakes that you see that authors make, again, both online or offline. You know, author websites are an area of a lot of frustration. I think one big mistake would be hosting your blog or your website on somebody else's domain. For example, blogger.com or blogspot. If you're blogging at blogger.com, you're missing opportunities. You should always have your own domain for your website. Quite frankly, I really encourage you to get professional website design. I see a lot of authors using some of those do-it-yourself website design options. The reality is your website just won't look as professional where if you spend a little bit of money and get a professional design done, it can make your platform look bigger than it is. This is a really big area where I see a lot of authors making rookie mistakes. If you want to look like you're a big deal and you're selling lots of books, then invest some money in a professional website design. And honestly, these days you can get websites designed for $500 to $1,500 and have them look really great. So if you can afford to carve out a little bit of budget, I'd say that is one big area to invest your money. I think there's an expectation too, that if you want to be seen as this authority in your marketplace, that you've got to look like the authority as well. Right. So your website should represent that. Your author photos should represent that. Your professionally designed book cover (laughs) should represent that. That's another area that really frustrates me when I see covers that clearly weren't designed by a professional book cover designer. Just because your cousin is studying graphic design at school or is a great artist doesn't mean that that necessarily translates to great book cover design. There's so many little intricacies within book covers that the average person, including myself, don't understand. You need a a graphic designer that specializes in book covers to make that design and, and make sure all of your marketing materials look incredibly professional because that really sets you up to look like you know what you're doing. I know that makes me very nervous when I hear that an author is having their cousin or their brother in law design the book cover for them. I'm like, oh dear. (laughs) Yeah. And the same is true for the editing, right? So, you know, I cannot tell you how many times an author has said, oh, my sister, the English teacher is editing it, or my husband has an English degree. Well, that's wonderful. However, professional editors follow, you know, style guides. They are looking for things like serial comma usage and parallel bullet points and things that the average person, even with an English degree, aren't paying attention to. So please, please, please hire a professional editor and have your manuscript reviewed at least two times by a professional. 
Great advice. Great advice. So, Stephanie, if our listeners would like to get a hold of you, find out more about your services, how can they do that? I'm over at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com as well as nonfictionwritersconference.com. You're welcome to send me um, email, Stephanie at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. I'd love to hear from you. And do you want to say anything about the Nonfiction Authors Conference that's coming up shortly? Our Nonfiction Writers Conference, we're in our eighth year. It happens May 2nd through 4th, 2018. We have another event in the fall. So our events are conducted entirely online. Our past speakers have included Seth Godin and Guy Kawasaki and Julia Cameron. This year we have Gretchen Rubin. So if you miss the event, recordings are available for purchase and our events are a ton of fun. They're conducted entirely online so you don't have to travel. So you can check them out at nonfictionwritersconference.com. And I'm excited about the upcoming conference. I know that I'm registered for it. And even though this may go out after the event, as you say, they can purchase the recordings, which I know are going to be super. Thank you. If you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be, Stephanie? Don't be afraid of social media. I know a lot of authors kind of dread it. They don't want to have to use it. But the reality is it's not a fad. It's not going away. But here's another good news. You don't have to do it all. Pick one or two platforms, be that Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or if you're targeting a younger audience, it's Instagram. Pick one or two and do those well. You don't have to do them all. Please commit to doing at least one because we're authors and we have to put ourselves out there. Thank you, Susan. This was a lot of fun. I know we didn't touch on social media, so it was good that you brought it up because it is such an important part of this whole branding process and who we are. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Stephanie. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book-selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com. And we'll see you again next week.